What's up and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I'm going to keep this intro very, very short this week because as I sit down with my guest, I kind of introduce him and go through the standard intro. So I don't want to hit you with that twice. So more so right now, I just wanted to take a second again to thank you guys for listening. I know I say it a lot, but it means so much to me to see all of the positive reviews, all of the feedback, all the comments, everybody sharing on social media. I really started this just as a chance to talk to some inspiring people and hear some stories and hopefully get some good information out of it and share it. And it's really become that and it's become so fun to do that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. It really does mean a lot to me. With that said, let's crack into it. I am sitting down with Micah Coley or The Hollywood Mechanic. And this is a cool episode for me because... This is a primarily music podcast. I stand by that. I love it. Most of my network is music. But every now and then, I meet people that there's just something to them. (laughs) There's something exceptional. There's something. There's a spark. They figured something out. They've been through something and they've accomplished these crazy things. And I don't think it's fair not to tell stories like these. So yes, maybe you have a crazy cool job in automotive. I think there's a lot of parallels to music. And just in the little bits that we've talked, I'm like, I need to hear this story. There's something special about this guy. So well, sweet, thank man. you for joining me. I'm glad it's not a vlog because I'm story. like beat purple right now. <laughs> but, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you think so. I'm glad I come across as someone that's, that you enjoy uh, hearing about. And um, yeah. hopefully something that comes out of this will be helpful for I think so. Like really, again, like we met, uh, we met at a spot called race service. You do some work with them. You do some great work with them. Great spot. I'm, um, the lead technician or shop foreman, depending on which day it is, uh, (laughs) for them. And uh, it's amazing space. I mean, they've just, they've curated this like artistic cultural center that is centered around the automotive industry. Um, but I think what makes them the most special is their, uh, their attention to quality and, yeah. Um, just putting out a pure product. Yeah. It feels bigger than automotive. And I think that people, myself not being in automotive and people yourself being Mm -hmm. in it, we all acknowledge that. And you know, they, they'll throw parties and they'll have a band and they'll push the, they basically, they're just pushing the limits in any way they possibly can of culture. And I think that's very special and important in a very like quality high quality way. And if you're in Los Angeles and you don't know about race servers, or if you're ever visiting, go on Wednesdays for coffee. Yes. The people that are there, you'll meet some of the most interesting and creative people. It's uh, so inspiring. Not just in automotive industry. I've met people from GoPro and absolutely it's like, it's here insane. we are yeah. because of that. Oh, of course yeah so uh, yeah i think that that's really special and you're also you're not limited to that you have your own business you are the hollywood right. mechanic completely outside of yeah that. and again this podcast is all about this the entrepreneurial spirit and people that go out and do things on their own so clearly you have done that yeah and i know you're not from california i know that you have it a lot just in the little bits we've talked i know you have a lot that got you to where you're at now and I, I feel like you've accomplished quite a lot and had some hardships. We talked a little bit about it, but I really want to hear that. And I know normally the format is talking about the come up stories of music and all of those steps along the way. Obviously, my listeners don't know the automotive industry as well. Or for the ones that do, I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to do that same approach. Cause, right. But, but what I think is important for me to share with your listeners yeah. is um, the fact that I came from a very 
dark place and overcame those things to become uh, a very successful, very respected person in my industry in a very short amount of time. And, And how did I do that? Yeah, and I think that that is universal. I think think that that's inspiring to anyone. It's universal. And I also think that it's insane to me the amount of things that people have to deal with. And I'll talk to so many people and I'll hear their stories and I'll hear these things that they've had to overcome. And I'm so inspired and amazed. So the more people hear that and the more that that's put out into the world, I think the more people are inspired to not give up and to overcome these things and to go and live out dreams and, and do what they really are capable of doing. Well, as a, as a technician, and uh, this is not, I don't want to put myself in that box because it's something I've only been doing for like the past five years. And um, as an automotive technician, I yeah. was a, a reactor operator and operated power plants, uh, nuclear power plants before that. And, of course uh, you did. Yeah, I was <laughs> trained in the Navy uh, very, when I was growing up, um, or early in my education at the Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. And uh, they taught me how to be an excellent electrician, a, a reactor operator, and understand the physics behind that, the, the chemistry of the, the the of the waters and the and the metals that are used in these plants, and um, give me a great base education and also um, a determination to achieve what felt like was impossible yeah. at the time. Uh, and so, because of that, though, I, I really have developed a good scientific process or. Um, cause and effect observation on the world around me. And so I'm not a psychologist I'm, um, and I don't claim to be, but I can tell you what I've seen from my experience, yeah. what I've tried and the effects that those ha- had in my life. Yeah. And then I kind of developed my own little system to help myself. And that's what's so interesting. And I think that's why we connected at Race Service because it wasn't us specifically talking about cars, but it was this mindset you had and I I remember like that day after I met you, like leaving, being so inspired because I was like, what couldn't you look at and figure out? And I was inspired to look at life a little bit differently where you just, you put it so simply and because of that training, because whatever it is, we'll find out. However you view things is this very simplistic, like, okay, there's a solution. It can be figured out. This can be accomplished. You're always telling me I watch your Instagram stories now and you're making bolts and taking apart things and putting back together things that never should be able to come back together. And I think that that is so universally interesting and inspiring and important in any industry, right? If you're able to reverse engineer, if you're able to look at and solve problems you're going to be good. Well, let's break it down to like a simple, um, as simply as I can. What I believe uh, is is amazing for someone to know how to do is to analyze a situation and, and have a, a big, bigger picture of that, of that. That's how I approach my, my cars. Oftentimes there are these highly exotic um, Ferraris, Lamborghinis that it's very hard to come by information. You can't just YouTube how to do this. I was going to say. like, So I have to look at the system and see what is the purpose of the system? What does each component in the system do? Um, what are the symptoms that we're having? And which is the most likely component in the system that is not doing its job? For instance, in a motor, your motor's overheating. I know that the coolant is what cools the motor. So I'm going to look at the cooling system and see are the fans coming on? Is the what? Is there flow through the system? Is there cooling in the system? So um, this comes from observing with a base knowledge what's going on. And I think that I'm so good at it because 
of the perspective that my life has given me to see, to be creative with my approach yeah. and not be limited by one th- training that I've had or, or another. And Again, that's so special, right? Like, because but, that's so universal. I hope so. And the thing is, is like, I don't like to say that. Like, I have this special power because I, <laughs> I'm just a normal dude, like trying to figure out life. But I know that I fixed some insane things. You know, when I was a kid, I dreamt about doing about the cars that I'm working on right now. I thought I would become some millionaire and buy them all, but it's actually kind of better. I don't have to buy them, and yeah. I get to drive them. <laughs> and I have friends that own them, and I have, I have celebrities that like you know are my clients that have that invite me to do insane things that I couldn't afford on my own, but I don't have to. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. So by that meter, I assume that what I'm doing is working. And so that's the reason that I have the confidence to come here and tell you, okay, look, don't, don't be mad at me if it doesn't work for you, (laughs) but this is what worked for me. Do what you think. No, I love that. And and I really like, I love that perspective. And I, I remember we hung out one time and you like showed up on like a triumph uh, six, seven, five. Yeah. The and I was like, damn, that's awesome. And you're like, Oh, it's not mine, but I can just go rip it yeah. around. And yeah. I'm like, bro, you're living the dream. You don't have to worry about like any maintenance or any, or, yeah. you know, like you just, it's There's, cool. If so something breaks, they're going to pay me to fix it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do think like, again, you've just, you've gotten yourself in a position where a lot of the things that you have dreamt of have come true for you. And sure. I've heard you tell me about that. And I think that that's really cool. Great. So, so that, I'm really that, curious to hear your story. This fulfills that part of what you need from me and that it lets your audience know this is a guy you sh- might want to listen to, right? Yeah. Basically, so, this intro is us saying, hey, Mike is pretty accomplished. And even if you don't know the automotive industry, he's done very well in it. And that is an example that he has accomplished his goal in succeeding in an industry that he wants to be in. Right. And So let's go to the next phase um let's like yeah. talk about where i came from a little bit just quickly just so you know i didn't have some like oh nice kid goes to college and learns about cars and be, and then goes on it was it was i went to a very dark place i went to the very bottom yeah and, and had that, to overcome to get to where i am in in the amount that, of time that works perfectly with this podcast because what i like to do is i like to kind of start like you know we've explained what you're at where you're at now but take me back like take me back to your early days and tell me how you got to where you're at now so i'm going to very briefly go through um from my childhood to now my, sure as a child my dad actually had a master's in music he was a music pastor oh so cool kind of goes in line with your podcast can um, you play yeah i play the piano and uh the trumpet and the guitar but Yo. the piano is the only one that i've kept up with i um you can still like rip and all that I play regularly. I'm not amazing, although growing up I played by sight only, and my grandmother played by ear, and then she had a stroke a few years ago and is paralyzed. Someone said, everybody can't do it anymore, and so I decided I want to learn to play by ear, and so I watched a ton of YouTube videos, and, and I taught myself how to do improvisational piano, so now I can listen to a song and then We need to talk about it. that after. That's Dude, so inspiring. It's I, amazing, but I mean, you, anyone can do this. You know, you, you just really, what's really important is you discover how you learn and then go about that if you can figure out how to put information into your brain, you can do anything, you know? Um, That's powerful right there. That's crazy. So, all right. So take me back. Your father was a music. Yep. So he was a choir director. My mom was the pianist at the church. And so, um, when I was five years old, uh, they were, they would go to, um, you know, choir practice on Sundays and I would have a sitter and then I would join them for the church service, the main service after choir practice. Yeah. And, um, I had a sitter that was, uh, not, 
that was a great woman, but she became sick and, and she referred someone from her poor neighborhood to, to, uh, to watch me. And as a result of that, um, she abused me. Uh, she, oh. I'd made a joke about like, you know, some private's joke as a, you know, little boys do. And she said, you know, women don't have what you have. This is what we have. And, oh. um, and this is what oral sex is. And so at five years old, it's a lot to handle. Um, and of course she's saying, you know, don't tell anyone about this. This is really special. It's our secret. And so I, I didn't tell anyone, but what I did do is go try to find other girls my age, you know, or other girls to do this with. And eventually that led to me getting caught, um, in a Christian, it seems like sexual abuse is like a big thing in the church, but you know, it's crazy. Like Obviously, it's you just said that. And I'm like, oh my fucking god! And it's one of those things where I, it, that is a real thing, right? You hear it in like news and movies and all that, and like you're just saying that. And I'm like, holy shit! And, and like, I can thing, only imagine what that'll do to a kid. Yeah, you know, well, the one thing that you know you hear a lot, like you hear about these like these memes where a hot teacher abuses a boy, and you know it just doesn't carry the same connotation as if a male teacher took advantage of some female student. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, everyone has their own perspective on life. Yeah. My perspective at this point was I have this thing that's bad that I want really badly more than anything now that I'm exposed to it, but oh. it's a bad thing. And now I'm a, why am I doing this? Because no one you're... else my age wants to do this and I must be bad. And so it began this like process of you're not okay. You're not a good person. You're bad. And then my parents kind of like sheltered me from, from females especially. So I'm not really understanding how to interact with females. And, um, that's really crazy. That's really crazy that as a good kid, like at five years old, you have no idea. And then because of a terrible, like literally like not my fault, just right. Yeah. A terrible person being introduced to your life, doing a horrible thing to you yeah. as a kid, you don't know how to process it. And then you're growing up in well, a religious family. They don't know how to process it either. They I don't mean, know how to bring it right. This was before the internet. There was no like, what to do when your child is raped. And so what they did is go to a Christian counselor in the church who's like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't really seem to remember too many details about the original like incident. So I say we just like tr- explain to him, you know, that marriage is something that happens with sex. You have to wait till you're older and we just reinforce positivity and he'll forget about it eventually and the symptoms will go away, which is obviously the wrong thing to do. But they're doing the best they could with what they had at the time. So they obviously loved you, but it was just this horrible thing. A horrible they accident didn't that happened. Know yeah. how to... So they pulled me. I went to first grade. And then after that, they're like, okay, we think you're a little, you need some help. So we're going to homeschool you, which actually became great. I got a lot of personal attention. My mom quickly found out how I learned. I'm a visual learner. I write things down, like, three to five times and then it just sticks. Wow. Uh, so that was one thing. I, I need to see it work. I need to take it apart. And then if I understand the reasoning behind it, then I got it. And Whoa. so that helped me a lot in life. Um, and she helped you find that. Yeah. And she would give me puzzles and, and encourage that part of my mind. I mean, I believe that we're, we're born with certain things, you know, where we, we evolve, where you get certain hereditary traits. But after that, you know, you're basically clay that can be molded by your surroundings. And so Thankfully, my mom put, you know, the ability to teach myself the the drive to, to su- succeed um, yeah. and understand things. And, and so that began to blossom as I grew older. Um, they decided after a few years that they wanted to move to Slovakia and be missionaries there, wow. uh, help children who were, you know, with dysfunctional families. We did that. Where were you growing up? 
Uh, we were in South Carolina before this and then moved to Slovakia, which is Eastern Europe. Oh, so you moved with them? Yep, moved okay. with them. Okay. I lived there for five years. And, and at it, what age did you move? Uh, moved there when I was nine, moved back when I was 14, just about to turn 15, actually. And so uh, that didn't help the depression thing because, yeah. like, I'm all of a sudden some outsider in another culture trying to fit in. And then when we moved back to the States, I was an outsider to my own country. So I definitely felt alone. Like, there's nowhere that I'm home. The Slovak kids were like, you're just some rich kid. American, we weren't rich, but it looked like it yeah. from their perspective. Dude. Um, and the Americans were like, you're just some weird kid from Slovakia. And uh, Yeah, so That's I heavy. would encourage anyone, though, out there to go learn another language or go visit another culture, especially yeah. a poor one. Like, if you just go to Paris and London, you're kind of going to westernized places. And, yeah, it's cool. You see little cultural, we got fresh cheese and wine for lunch or whatever. Yeah. But if you go to a poor place, you'll see people that have nothing mm-hmm. and don't care. They're happy. Yeah. They work hard. They play hard. They know who they are. I mean, I'm sure now with Instagram being there, it's changed a little bit, but that's what I remember. What I'm taking away is just like, dude, by the time you're 14, you have experienced more life than some people have ever experienced. Well, yeah, it was definitely, um, I'm very appreciative of it now, but at the time it was like very difficult. I just the, felt like uh, heavy life. I always like, felt like yeah. I was miserable all the time. I had nightmares on a regular basis. I was like always worried that I would come home and not be accepted. And it, and it happened. I came back to the US and like I was just some strange kid and I don't know, acceptance became a major issue. But by my teens, I was having such bad depression that um, I would have nightmares every night that I could, I, that were so vivid and real. I would wake up and my whole pillowcase would be soaking wet and sweat my neck, my back. Like there wouldn't be a dry place to lay on the bed. And, um, and it was just miserable. And I, and when I got back to the States after Slovakia, my, I wanted to go to the Navy. And as I was pursuing that, um, my parents basically said, you know, you're either going to go to Bible college for a year and then go to the Navy, or you can go get, get out get emancipated because we're going to go back to Slovakia and we can't leave you here unaccompanied. So I felt like that was rejection from my own family. Well, yeah. Like you say that, right? Like you're like, yo, you had this fear of rejection and you dealt with all this, but like, here's my thing is like, I get it. Like you just told me this picture of like, these are a lot of very real, unfortunate circumstances. Unfortunate, just a perfect storm just hit, right? hit, you know? And it's like, I know you like the dude that you are, like the kindness in your eyes and the excitement oh, and the care man. you have for people. And I can only assume that that kid is there. But like what you're telling me, like you can't control life at that age. You're the victim of the circumstance. So yeah. like, I mean, I, I definitely had that same passion at the time. I wanted to be loved and accepted and I wanted someone to love me unconditionally the way that I loved them back. And it just felt like there were always conditions. You know, my parents were like, if you're a Christian, if you're good enough, if the Slovaks were like, if you, you know, have all this American stuff and the, the Americans were just like, uh, if you, if you could be cool, if you could have a good image and. Um, that's so I, I became emancipated. I, yeah. I went to the Navy, um, where I was introduced to alcohol, which made everything better <laughs> except for yeah. not. And, um, I just didn't have the acceptance issues when I was drunk. I was happy. And yeah. so I drank to get drunk and I, and I would oh. drink to black out basically. And cause that's like the first time you found any solution or yeah. A and I've been completely sheltered everything. from this, which is a terrible strategy as a parent to shelter your child. And especially today, I feel like you're, you know, your kids watch, it can, they're exposed to everything. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You just need to be prepared that when they come to you, like, Hey, I just saw 
some guy kissing another guy and they're four years old. Well, all right, we got to talk about this right now because that teaches them that you're there for them to have a conversation and not judge them and let them develop their own opinion. Uh, And then that way they're, they're not being hit with what's alcohol do. Oh, how do you control it? You know, at, at an earlier age, it's like, okay, this is what some people use it for. Obviously you can go too far with it. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Don't use it at all. It's like, it's like your whole life. I mean, I I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but it feels like your whole life. You had this natural curiosity and wide eyed excitement, yet you were met with rejection and penalties. Suppression. Yeah. Which like, damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, my parents were not doing this on purpose. They thought this is what God wants and this is the best thing. And that made it kind of harder to be angry at my parents because I'm looking at them like, damn, they're just trying to do the best they can, but this is so horrible. Um, that's got to put you in a really weird mental state as a kid. Definitely did. Uh, like I say, when I got on the Navy, I went to work with, um, continued training and power. So the Navy, tell me a second. So you get emancipated at 17, 17. I went right right into the Navy. Um, they put me in the Naval nuclear power training command, which is where you learn to operate a reactor for the submarines or the aircraft carriers that the Navy has. And do you think like, because again, I am not a nuclear engineer. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy, um, but like, I guess two part question: Is it as crazy as I think? Does it take the mindset and the discipline to understand it? Um, but also, did that come from the young Micah that could take things apart and visually learn? Like, I mean, I think it came from a lot of those things growing up. Mm-hmm. I had to learn another language as a child and my mom had taught me how to teach myself and it just was a lot of practice of how to learn. Oh, wow. So if you want to do something, you need to learn how to do it. So if you know how you learn, it's extremely beneficial. Figure out how to get information oh, into your brain. wow. So as you were met with this task, you're like, okay, this is crazy, but I know how to do it. I know it. how to approach it. Secondly, because of the pain that I've been feeling my whole life, I felt like that it increased my tolerance, you know, like Hmm. people look at life from their perspective. Let's say you have a great life, suburb America, no problems. Yeah. But like a white male statistically should have the least amount of problems. They live their life on a scale of one to 10 between seven and 10. They're great. Yeah. But if that's the case, why are the majority of mass shootings in the U.S. white white men that do them. 63% of shootings since 1900 have been white male and white males only make up 31% of the American population. What's going on there? Is that the stat? That's the stat according to, um, it's mass murders in the United States, a history written by, I think Grant Dewey or do D U W E. And he just category, he just like, um, basically there's not a single, a federal agency that keeps track of mass shooting statistics, unfortunately. So he had to compile his own list based on historical documents. And wow, um, but this is what he came up with. And right. if you look at it, it, it seems to be kind of true. I'm sure, mean, yeah. But but then so society on. would tell you, oh, but women are misfairly treated in yeah. jobs. They don't have the same opportunities, or or minorities are stuck in these ghettos with crime. And why are they not so mentally disturbed? They're just blasting people that are innocent. I think it's because it's not it's not where you're coming from, it's 
where on your spectrum you're at. If, if you're in that middle America spectrum of seven to 10 and you're at a seven, it feels like the end of the world. Right. Because you've literally never experienced anything six. worse. The exactly. seven is a zero to you in exactly. your reality. But then someone who lives in a poor drug riddled home and is abused mm-hmm. or someone like me who had abuse growing up, my spectrum is much further apart or further south my tolerance for pain or and instead of me being like i don't know how to handle this pain yeah just like um my my perspective um i am now able to say okay i've been through worse holy Um, shit you have so it i think that's one thing that like that's why you see a lot of people are extremely successful go through extreme pressure and pain growing up it sets this mindset that i can do anything because I've had it worse than I've had it right now. It's another reason why saying to someone who's struggling, oh, there's people in Africa that are starving, that doesn't help that person. That makes them a little bit more angry because they don't know what that experience feels like. And honestly, that person in Africa doesn't really know how bad they have it because that's their mean. But I think the more you're able to expand your your spectrum, the more powerful you you become as a human, you can tolerate more, you know you can overcome more, and you also are more likely to be at peace with other people in your life that are really struggling because those people that are assholes to you, yeah. uh, I don't think that they're just assholes to be assholes. This is the way they've evolved in their life based on their perspective that they've had. And you being a dick back or letting it get to you, yeah. it's wasting emotional energy and focus. You're living your life. Let's focus on your positive and moving forward and and not that so much, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, no, that, that's actually, that's really incredible. I love the way you put that because I think this is a very relatable feeling, at least for myself at my lows. I'm just like, there's no fucking reason for this, that this sucks. Like I'm so sad, like every, right. And like, maybe I'm at a seven, maybe I'm at an eight, maybe my lowest is an eight. I don't know. Right. But I know the feeling of being at the lowest and I think yeah. everybody does. And I love the way you put that. Because to me, it makes me stop and think, you know, the way everybody says everything happens for a reason. Well, if you can deal with terrible shit, then it really does give you perspective and it really shows you. Well, it definitely, that's what helped me get through the naval nuclear, the training. Oh yeah. So Um, go back to that. I was able to uh, like, see like, this is a task at hand. I know how to teach myself. I can make this work. I graduate, um, worked in nuclear power for a little while and... Uh, just was still drinking way too much, and, wow. um, and I just felt really alone. And the people, the friends that you're making when you're drinking, the, especially when you're buying people drinks because it makes you feel like you're accepted. Yeah, these are attracting people who want free stuff, and it's just they're not good people. So eventually, I just got to the, a bottom point where I'm like, what am I living for? You know, no one genuinely loves me the way that I love everybody. Fuck. So what am I doing here? I I hate living. It's um, it, to me, it was unbearable. So basically, the pain that you had as a kid did not go away. You were at this point just masking it with alcohol. I mean, it's so easy to even get worse. There's like, I would just sit there and listen to like Eminem or, I mean, not that I, I love Eminem's music. It has its time and place, though. Yeah. It's so easy to sit there and just drown in your own misery, putting Evanescence or some sad songs on, and yeah. you feel you develop a comfort, like that's your, your comfort, your safe space. So it's hard to break out of that. Wow. You know? Uh, and so I didn't, I eventually, I got to where I was just like, I want to die. Whoa. And so I decided that, uh, I was going to kill myself and I wanted to, to die, not 
so I could do it and then still apologize for what I had done and make peace with myself before I died. So I chose to drink antifreeze. So I went back to a car thing for some reason. I don't know. But, Jeez. Um, and oh then I drank God. alcohol and, until um, I passed out, thinking that I would never wake up. But uh, alcohol kind of stops the effects of ethylene glycol. It blocks your kidney from being able to receive it until... It brought the kidneys processed the alcohol and the sugar in that first. So it actually extended my life there for wow. three days. Um, when my, I was like... Do you remember any of that? I remember waking up at one point as pretty early in this, like, why am I not dead yet? I had the Fuck. worst headache I've ever had in my life. I try to stand up and I'm extremely dizzy. Um, I fell. I, I couldn't throw up and I wanted to. And I was just like, just go back to sleep and this will be over soon. Oh my God. And um, fortunately, my mom found, uh, was trying to get a hold of me, and people were like, you're not going to work. What's going on? Uh, she was able to get to me and get me to the hospital where they started me on dialysis almost immediately. And after seven days of treatment and 10 total days in the hospital, my kidneys began to function again. And Holy. Um, so, yeah, thank God. I mean, that's a terrible thing to do to your mother, too, to have her find you like this, like, and she didn't, no one knew what had happened at that point. Uh, they started doing blood tests and said, hey, he has zero kidney function. Dude. And um, they started um, treating me for that. And then at, at that point, uh, my ex-girlfriend knew what, it, she found an empty bottle of antifreeze in her garage that I had used for some work that had under her car recently. And she's like, you know, I don't know if, he, if he's poisoned himself because she introduced me to this concept. She used to watch forensic files and all these oh, wives would kill their no. husbands with antifreeze. So she's like, I think there's an empty bottle of antifreeze here. He left all depressed and now he's almost dead. So, because uh, I didn't want to tell him. I just wanted it to be over at this point, obviously. Um, it was beyond that. And uh, That's I, so heavy. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy to hear you because I see the person you are now. That's That's why, right? Like I look at you that's now. Cool. And I look at like the bright energy you have and how good you are. So for you to tell me this and to hear all of this and be like, bro, like I get it. Like sometimes people grow up poor, like sometimes like they're bullied a lot, but like that's some legitimate heavy shit to go through. Well, I hope that that, that this just proves a point that as far as down as I was, uh, you can come back from that, you know, and um, that's it's never too late. And also if you're hurting inside, this is not okay. This is not normal because... I didn't realize this is not normal. And I felt a lot of pain and struggle. I felt alone. Yeah, like, you, I mean, you got to the point where you're just masking it with alcohol this whole time. Yeah. You wanted to be accepted. You didn't know why. I get it. Yeah. So what changed? So um, after that, I got in the hospital. My cousin, uh, she had left our our Christian family as well. And she's like, hey, come uh, come spend some time with me. I found this, like, Cali love, this California love. Like, just come be here. And she truly loved me. Uh, unconditionally. No, like you have to be good enough for this. No punishment. I would do things that would, I would get drunk and do stupid things. And she would, she didn't, she wasn't afraid to tell me like, Hey, Micah, you know, you you did this. And I kind of, why'd you do that? You know, it hurt some of us, but she never like held it against me. Like I'm not friends with you anymore. She still always was there for me. Yeah. And, um, a couple other people came into my life that were also like that, that, that I respected that, just treating me with love. And I remember thinking, wow, the, these people must really like me because I'm pretty terrible and they stick by my side and I like them. They must, I see a lot of good in them. They must see good in me. Dude, you know? that is so powerful to hear that though, right? Like, I mean, you just painted me the picture that I, like, I 
not that I relate in the sense that I had that happen, but you painted a picture where I understand that kid. And for you to go from that low to then find people who just loved you and accepted you, like, wow. And that's so important. I mean, love is, they say love solves everything. And I think that that kind of gets lost in this like hippie mantra, like kind of some, a lot of people in business maybe don't take seriously, but, but seriously, if someone's struggling, telling them you drink too much, that does not help them. Yeah. You're pushing them. And if, if, if you're walking in a direction and I push you from behind, you're going to resist me, even though you're already going that direction. Like pushing mm. someone is not really, or at least for me, it wasn't the way to go, yeah. but having someone that was that I could see, damn, I'm hurting them and they just still love me. And man, I, what can I do to be like that? You know? Um, so if you see someone in your life too, by the way, just so, you know, this is not just for people who are struggling. If you have someone in your life that is struggling with depression, it may not be apparent. Like I wasn't always just a sad mopey kid. I would be an arrogant dick to as many people as I could because it made me feel better about myself. Wow. So I mean, just think of it as like a, a tree that's dead is bearing dead fruit. And so when you have someone that's a dick to you, that's the fruit of something that's dying inside. So instead of letting them get an emotional rise out of you and giving them that power over you, which is a waste anyway, you need to be focused on where you're going. Um, think, hey, that this guy must be struggling with something and try to stay clear of the violence, you know, <laughs> but still give them love back and, you know, be the best person that you can be to them because you don't know what they're struggling with. And, and in my case, uh, I didn't, I did not want to live and it. It was, it, it would have been, it was people showing me love that changed it. That's amazing. And I, I'm so glad you said it like that too, because again, I think we've all had friends like you in this case, clearly personally went through it, but we've all had friends go through bad, dark times and depression. And unfortunately, some of us have had friends lose friends. Yeah. So for you to say it, like at least to me, as I'm thinking about it, as you tell me, that's an actual thing that I can do for people that I see in my life that are struggling is just show them that unconditional love and like accept them and yeah. not be a dick about whatever. The worst or, they're being to you means you need to be that much better because you, that means that they probably are hurting more inside, you know. That's that's like really powerful. Like, thank you. Oh, that, dude, I'm that's, glad you can relate. Okay, so but here's yeah. let's go on to like okay now what did I do to get better? Yeah, okay, so you get help. to California. Yeah, yeah, and now this this part we don't need to go in like step by step what sure. my life was. Yeah, but this is what I observed because of this scientific like electrical engineering mindset that yeah, I have. You're I'm still very, a smart person throughout all of it. I'm a very cause and effect. You know, like what is happening mm -hmm. in my life. Why am I doing this and yeah. what can I do to improve it? Okay. Um, and so one of the things I decided is I want to be a good man, like the people that love me and that I respect. Wow. So how can I be the best man I can be? And uh, I started researching, you know, how to be a great man. You can Google it or, wow. uh, or a woman, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, one of the things that kept coming up was like virtues. Hmm. Um, we, we learn them as a child and... I think we, we a lot of times forget them. We unfortunately go through life thinking like, oh, I, I can run this one red light just because I'm in a rush or I can, you know, drink an extra cup of coffee. I know I've had one already. It's not doing anything for me. I need water, but <laughs> we still do these things. Yeah. And these are violations of some morals, you know, these, there's justice is a moral, um, you know, uh, mod, our moderation is a moral that these are the basis of a good 
uh, character. Yeah. Wow. And so what I found was uh, Benjamin Franklin. He put, uh, when he was 21 years old, put um, 13 virtues that he got, I believe, from Socrates. But you can find him in a lot of religious materials. Basically, they're all just good laws to live your life by. Cool. And if you follow my Instagram, I post one every morning and I will do oh, that yeah, on yeah. cycle all the time because I feel like. If you put these to memory and mm-hmm. you really embed them in your mind, then yeah. when an opportunity comes to you and you think I should just tell this little white lie, yeah. that virtue will just pop up. Honesty or ju- um, will just pop into your mind and read out right in front of you and you're just like, okay, now I have to make a decision. I'm, am I going to do right or wrong? There's no more gray area. Yeah. You know? um, so I got these virtues and then uh, I had another friend that was trying to get me to meditate and like clear my mind. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to try this and see if this works. Everyone from like Alcoholics Anonymous, all these programs would say this is a good way to yeah. to get your stuff together. So I started trying that, but mm-hmm. I had all these thoughts that just kept bombarding me. Like, you know, you're behind on your rent. You, you, you know, you owe this guy this or you broke this or you failed yeah. in this area. And I was just like... Shut up. I want to get back to center. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's like sometimes people be like, oh, meditation, that's cheesy. I don't even care. Like, I don't, I, I think it's sick. Like, I talk, I hear people talk about it. I'm like, that's sick. But all too often, I'll start to do it. And then it's just those thoughts. So that's crazy you say that. Well, from an electrical standpoint, right? Um, I think that it comes to aligning your energy with what you want. And that's what meditation really does. It starts to align your your personal energy for your goals. Okay. Um, and Einstein is one of my heroes, and he believed this as well, this law of attraction. He said, the imagination is the greatest thing. It is the mind foreseeing what is to come. So he believed in this goal setting and meditating and wow. visualizing and making it happen. And if you think about it, I mean, on an atomic level, we are atoms that are that have electrons and protons in their magnetic fields and the electrical power there that hold us together. And Electrical energy is everywhere around us. And to me, on a scientific level, it just makes sense. Align your electrical frequency with what you want and it's going to come to you. I mean, this is this is not a religious thing to me. It's a scientific, let's experiment with this and see what happens. But the I, problem, like I said, is I couldn't get my mind clear. Right. So I had to determine how to do that. And the way I did it is I took something from religion, which was prayer. And what prayer really is, I think, is is you acknowledging things um, in your life that maybe you tried to suppress. Like yeah. when you when you run that red light or you yeah. cut someone off, yeah. you go, oh, it's okay, this one, ah, it's, ah, so it's okay. And you push down this inner subconscious, this inner voice that is like, hey, that's wrong, bro. What are you doing? You're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's okay. Sleeping in, eating junk food. You start to shit. mute that and yeah. eventually it becomes muted in areas you really need it. Like knowing in business which people to deal with. You know that gut feeling like some people say Dude, they went yeah. with? Yeah. I think that gut feeling is your inner voice that's like reading the signs that your conscious mind is in. The body language of that guy in the corner, the that guy was kind of shady. I got yeah. a bad feeling about him. It, you know, if you're blocking that out a lot, then you're going to miss out. So Wild. what I decided to do was to um, do a prayer. And in the prayer, I would, first of all, acknowledge the things in my life that were negative that I had done. Yeah. Um I'm sorry for getting so angry at that guy at work that messed up. He was doing his best. He didn't even know. He did, I've made that same mistake before. Why did I do that? Why did I give my energy to that and and hurt him as well? And I'm sorry. Next time I come across this, help me to remember this moment and that I won't do that. And I'll practice kindness, you know. Yeah. Um, and then 
after you, after you go through those things, you begin to clear that communication from your heart or that subconscious and your mind, and you start to get that aligned. Mm. But then you also need to be grateful. I think you need to go from that state of repentance to a positive state of, hey, this is what I'm thankful for. This is what I did great today. I definitely helped that girl out when she needed it, and oh, I might have had an ulterior motive. But I mean, <laughs> I did something nice. <laughs> but or I love my dog, and I'm really grateful for that. That he's yeah. just so well behaved and that he's healthy. And you're just putting out to that universe that hey, I'm positive. I want to be positive. Yeah. So like you're not calling yourself out for being a piece of shit. Like first, you're just honest with yourself. You're like, all right, I messed that up. I messed that up. All right, cool. What Let's am I this- grateful for? And you bring it back to something good. And then the last thing is. Uh, what do I need? You know, okay. like I, or what do I want? What's my goal? God, my goal is to be driving a race car in one year. Yeah. Please like show me the signs of the right paths to take. Don't let me be distracted by these, these little pieces of candy that are off that trail that I think I can just go grab. Can because, I ask you a question there? You know, what's that? Purely like, I, I want to know, I want to practice this. Mm-hmm. Is it wrong? Like if I'm thinking of like, what do I want to align with? And I'm like, I want, a Porsche came in, right? Or like, I want to sound like, is it wrong to try to align with material things? Like, should you chase more of like, I want to be the best music manager. I want to be the best. I want to put a positive podcast out in the world. Like, well, I don't know what's exactly best. I believe if you do these virtues, then, uh, it'll make you a better person that will want better things. But I I will say that I have said, Hey, I want this. I want a motorcycle. And the funny thing is through this meditation, the universe oftentimes says, I know how you want it to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that fail, but I'm going to give it to you in another way. Just like what we were talking about earlier. I want to drive Lamborghinis and Ferraris. I want a Lamborghini. Yeah. Please let me have a Lamborghini by the yeah. time I'm this age. Yeah. Instead of having one, I worked at Lamborghini and I'm driving them all the time and I'm not having to pay for them. I'm like, holy crap, I didn't even know I could have wanted this. This is way better. That's incredible. But by going to my meditation and saying, this is what I want, that's how it came to me. So I, I don't think that that's wrong. I think if you really want something, then meditate on it and say, Hey, please give me the right opportunity, but also make me aware of fake opportunities, falsehoods, because there will be, it seems like the universe sets you on, shows you the good path yeah, and it gives you the opportunity like, Oh, you could buy this (laughs) Porsche salvage title over here. (laughs) And you do. And you're like, Oh crap is a flood vehicle. Total (laughs) fail. It cost me more than if I just bought a new one and it's salvaged. So because you're trying to shortcut something. Yeah, exactly. So Please be aware, please make me aware of these of these falsehoods. Let me be let me see the true uh, path that I should take and give me patience for those for that true answer. And That's the funny beautiful. thing is you'll see your you'll see things in your life start to coincidences that it's hard to explain and kinda happen and um, Well the other thing about that is like I think as I'm gonna start practicing this, what you said about wanting to drive the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis is like I, I think that that's a you have to be self-aware and have to when you go to the grateful spot or whatever it is when you think about it, don't be so significant, right? Because if I'm like, oh, I'm a failure, I haven't gotten my own Porsche, or Lamborghini, whatever. Well, it's like, all right, well, actually, if I'm looking at life, all my friends have these sick cars and I can drive them whenever. So life is pretty cool, you know. Like, I, yeah, the way you said that was really cool to me. Is like be aware of the actual life you're living and see these beautiful things you have in it because maybe the universe delivers it slightly differently. Yeah, it's again, That's cool. it's another one of the virtues, but just like being content, you know, with what you have and um, not like lusting after other things or what other people want. It's, it's kind of part of that as well. So that's why I think the best thing to do, get up each morning, yes. read one of the 13 virtues. Beautiful. Um, really try to understand what it means. Go to your prayer, do 
you know, what I've done wrong, what can I learn from it, what I ha- I'm grateful for, and then what I need, and then go to a 10, 20-minute meditation of deep breathing, slow, keeping your heart rate low, and focusing on a positive word at first until maybe eventually you can focus on nothing for 10 minutes and just yeah. let yourself be blank and allow whatever communication is out there to come to you. Wow. And uh, I think one of the things I've noticed about about this process is that it's so easy to do, but it's so hard to force yourself to do them. Yeah. But when you do it, you can do it for a very short amount of time and it it just would really put you into that positive mood right away, first thing in the morning, ready to go. And it, it really changed the way that life happened for me. That's incredible. But um, That's big. Yeah, I, I was stoked on it. Um, I mean, it's just like, a, like an athlete, right? You want to be a baseball player, you practice your baseball swing and you think about like how to do it better, proper grip, proper stance, and you set that to memory. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the game, you're not thinking, well, how am I standing? What's my swing? Like, it's just natural. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're keeping your breath low, your heart rate low, you're ready to react to whatever happens, and boom, you hit that that ball because you did your practice in in and your diligent study beforehand. And when you're performing at life, yeah. it's there. The same thing's happening with your meditation. You're putting those virtues to memory. Yeah. You're clearing your mind. You're getting ready for game day. You go there, you meditate, you put yourself in the zone and boom, you go through your life. Yeah. What I was going to say there is like, I'm such like, I love studying all sorts of things and I love the subject of like personal improvement and development. But you know, if you're reading a book or listening to a podcast, that's kind of theory, not application. So that like you saying this, I'm like, that's kind of a cool way to like apply some of like your own mental health or your own things like that. Right. You're doing more than just reading about it. I mean, Oh, that's cool. Like that's a way to apply it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I I think if anyone does this, then it will start to, you know, get you on the right track and then get you to. Yeah. So continue life obviously got better for you. Yeah. So you found, um, actually I was working, I was trying to do like acting and modeling because it was in LA and, um, I was just trying to find another industry that would make me happy, and mm-hmm. I wasn't really happy with that. But at the whole the whole time, I'm like, I got a motorcycle. I was racing around, and and um, whenever I saw these cars or got an opportunity to be around them, I was just so excited. And my I had a roommate that was studying poli sci at UCLA, and he's like, "Bro, you, you're so into cars and bikes. You should yeah. just do something with that." How old were you around this time? Uh, twenty four, twenty five years old. Um, that I started. I mean, it's cool to hear that, right? Because like, I feel like a lot of people in their twenties and all sorts of ages still are always struggling with what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the things with that is like, if you don't know what to do, um, what do you find out what you're good at, what you enjoy doing? Like I was really good at math and puzzles and being a a mechanic is a big puzzle and a lot of science. So it was kind of right up my alley. So, and because I loved cars and bikes, it was like, something I was passionate about wasn't a job. So when your buddy brought it up, you're like, all right, this actually checks a lot of boxes. Well, it's something, it didn't make sense to me at first. I'm like, I could never do, I could never be a race driver and I don't want to be a mechanic. Like that's not like what comes to your mind, but he's just like, do anything with this industry. And so I started trying to do like marketing for a motorcycle rental company. And, and, um, I did well with that, like for that company, but there's not a lot of money. It's a very niche market. Like, 5% 5% of the U.S. population drive motorcycles and how many of those are renting them on vacation. So I, I just wasn't able to make a stable living that way. But I was in the industry meeting people. The bikes that he owned 
he asked if I could help him maintain them, and I had a little bit of knowledge from the Navy on how to, you know, oils and lubrication worked, and also I was an electrical diagnostic master, so I could <laughs> like fix any check engine light. Basically, after I was able to see what the codes were, I was able to test components and sensors. You were and, able to learn, like you learned all the basics of studying and all of that, so you could apply it. And I, you had a core of that specific exactly. application. And I think that's what an engineering mind really does. Is like when you learn uh, how a system works, you can go to another industry and see, okay, what are the positives here? Where are the losses? Um, how do we overcome those losses? Um, so like for me as an electrician, I would look at electrical diagrams and see what purposes were. And I knew heat was a bad thing. I knew conductivity needed to be optimal for things to work. But then when I went to motorcycles, I was like, okay, now I'm looking at a lubrication system. How does this work? Obviously it's trying to remove the heat from the motor, but it also serves a purpose in actuating certain things by the pressure of it. So I would kind of look at like, okay, what's each component in the system do? Wow. And, um, and what's not working. And then, so I slowly started to become like a self-taught mechanic. Cool. After um, working with that company for a short while, I started putting ads on Craigslist to be a mechanic. Wow. Because I just needed, I was desperate for some income. Like I I had, I was very low on, on money. I had a car that barely ran and, so that wasn't like, I'm trying to live the dream. That was purely no, like, I'm good at this I, and I'm, I need to make some money. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, people in Inglewood started answering my calls because that's who looks, or answering my ads, that's who that's who looks for crisis mechanics. Kind of like mobile mechanics. Or work. people that like can't afford to go get it repaired. You know, oh, wow, yeah. Or tow their car somewhere. So um, I would go down there and that's where the name Hollywood Mechanic came from. I would show up and they'd be like, Oh, what up, Hollywood? What, yeah. you, what you gonna do? You gonna fix my shit? You, you don't know. And uh, it was, for the listener, Micah is like a pretty, like, well, but like tall, handsome white dude. Looks oh, like sweet, he man. could nice. be in movies, whatever. Yeah. So that's really funny that they were just like, "Yo, what up, Hollywood?" Yeah, that's a, the, and it, they kept doing it so much. Like, "Oh, you, you the Brad Pitt, huh? You gonna fix this, <laughs> dude? I'm not. Shut up. I gotta. I'm poor as hell, bro. I know you think I have some Hollywood life. I am poor right now. <laughs> Incredible. So, but I would, I would nail it, dude. I would come to their homes. I would work on these cars, and the next time they would call me, there would be a line of their friends and neighbors that would be there. And it was a, it was a culture I had never seen before. Again, opening my eyes to a new perspective. And these people are real. Some of them are hard people. They've been through really hard things. But once I became accepted to a lot of these guys, I, I was family to them. And I love those guys. I, m- I remember going to this club in South Central called the Burgundy Room with this woman named Portia. She played basketball for USC, I believe. And she's like super tall Sick. Um, basketball player. She's a lesbian. She, uh, and I remember this is awesome. Like this is yeah. the first woman I've not had to worry about the sexual tension with. Yeah. And, and she's like, you want to come with us to this club? I was like, she's like, I got to warn you it's South Central, but you're going to be cool. You're with us. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Sure. We go there. She parked right in front of a fire hydrant. And I'm like, uh, we can't park Did here. You? She goes, honey, please don't get parking tickets down here. And I was like, at that point, I was like, oh, I didn't realize like where I'm going. We go into this club and it's just all, just all, I'm the only white guy there. And holy they, shit. And they start cracking on her because she's a lesbian. Like, what are you doing with this? Good looking. You switching sides on us? And like, dude, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was just a different culture. And I felt loved. I really did feel loved by these people. 
Um, and that just helped to continue with the growth, like being positive. And so I eventually built up enough of a client base that I opened a shop there in Inglewood, right by the forum. That's fucking sick. It was fun, dude. It was, I got to work on all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, made some great friends. And, uh, while I was there, one of my friends came into some money, um, bought a Lamborghini. Sick. I was also working in restaurants because I wasn't making enough money at uh, being a mechanic to, uh, to live on completely. So I was working at a club called Hyde in Hollywood. Yeah. And it's like a fine dining and, and nightclub spot. So I got introduced to the Lamborghini sales team. They wanted to go celebrate something one time. Remembered I worked there, hit me up. I hooked them up with bottles and free appetizers and stuff. Oh, and cool. so like, this guy's pretty cool. Um, I started hanging out with them outside of uh, that industry. And they would just offer me cars to work on and Eventually, someone in higher up was like, yo, do you want a job at Lamborghini? Because that's the brand you're passionate about and you're really, you hold yourself to a high standard. You're a good moral person and you'd, we'd be happy to have you work here. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I feel like was, there's a theme in your life too of like all the bullshit you've been through. It feels like every step of the way you've worked hard. Like there's been times where you're like, I don't want to do this, but like I got to pay rent. I got to do this. Yeah. And like it seems like you've worked hard in everything you've done. So that's cool that that paid off. I think that, again, it comes from that, like, you know, when I was younger, like having to move all over, just being exposed to this wide spectrum that like, yeah. hey, this is nothing. I can't do this to get through it, you know? And, wow. But yeah, you definitely have to work and you have to not just work, but work to perfection you know, if you're if you're putting out a crap product all the time, you're going to get a better reputation. I think if you want to be the best in what you're doing, you have to care about every detail. Is are my hands clean enough to be touching this right now? Wow. How does this work? A- am I okay with just disassembling this? Do I need to do some research? YouTube is right there. Yeah. Like, if I can't find something about a certain car that I'm working on, yeah. I'll research certain systems. Like, how does a belt-driven quad work? Does the belt have to be broken in? Do as much research as you can. Ask the people that, you know, are experts in this and try to find someone to help you and then do it 100%. Don't take any shortcuts. Don't be like, ah, it's good enough. If you feel something inside of you, say, hey, 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 maybe you shouldn't. And you say, ah, it's good enough. That's, that's immediately you should say a trigger. This is something wrong. I'm going to stop and redo this the right way because it's going to, it's, it's, you know, do it right or do it twice is a saying, you know, like, yeah, um, that's really cool. It's cool that you have that, right? Like it's, it feels like to me, as you're telling me this story, like, yes, you were at this low spot, but like the person that was coming back and the person that wanted to be better was also a person accompanied with work ethic and ability to learn and apply, which I think is also important, right? Yeah. Teach yourself how to learn. Set your moral compass to be the best person that you can and put your head down and just work. Don't become discouraged by failure. Failure is something to learn from. Learn from it and keep moving. You're always moving forward. Einstein said you never fail until you quit. You know, it's like, and it's true. You keep learning from what you're doing and moving forward. And I think people underestimate how long you have to do it. You're going to do it for like a couple of years. And you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm set. I'm ready for the big leagues. And you're yeah. not ready. You know? <laughs> Be patient. Because if you get to the big leagues before you're ready, you're going to destruct yourself and then maybe ruin opportunities. And then you're going to be depressed that, ah, I was there. I had the opportunity and I failed. But, but don't. Just keep working hard. Work more than you're paid for. And today, tomorrow, you'll be paid for more than you're working, you know? I love, love, love that. And 
I, I think that that continues. So like you said, you started working on Lamborghinis. I happen to know that that is not the end of your story. So no. even where you thought you had it all. Yeah, dude, I thought I was, I was, I was like, I can't believe where I've come from. I can't believe I'm here. There were other cars around. Aston's Ogara coach runs uh, several high-end brands. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And yeah. then at the same time, I, I can do this, you know? So, yeah. um, I wanted to get more into like the tuning and racing scene. Yeah. Um, and so I, I opened my own shop called the Hollywood mechanic and I knew that I could work on these cars. So yeah. I started trying to attain those, those clients and right. it was hard at first because the people that would come to me with a Lamborghini at first couldn't afford the dealer. So they, they were people who had like low income that they, they saved up for this Lamborghini and now it's starting to fail and, they don't have the money really to fix it. So it was like, it was kind of difficult at first. But. Oh, that's really, I never thought about that, right? Because you have the clientele that buys them new and it's under warranty or they're yeah. coming in and they're balling and, and I'm sure they do everything at the dealer. Yeah. But then you have the people that are like, yo, when I grow up, I'm getting a Lamborghini and they, they buy it. it too soon. And then they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I had one kid, he's like, I want to buy this Porsche. It's a 911 Carrera S. And I was like, it's gorgeous, 27,000 miles, but salvage title. And uh, he had hired me to do a pre-purchase inspection. And I tell all my clients before we get there, I meet them ahead of time. I'm like, listen, whatever I tell you, yeah, uh, listen to. There's a reason for it. Yeah. You don't own this car. This is not your car. There are right. plenty of other opportunities. Yeah. You hear me? They've made a lot of every single car you're yeah. looking at. Great. And we go in there. And then every time, I, if there's a reason, I say no. Like, well, how much could you discount it so that we could fix that? Nothing. Bro, this car is a flood car. Yeah. It is done. Well, what if you just cleaned everything up? And I was like, bro, you've got 27 check engine codes and airbag lights right now. And the problem with being a flood car is every electrical connection in this car has has corrosion on it. So if we fix everything today, in two days, you may have another problem. In six months, you may have another problem. And it may be something catastrophic oh, so just man. not worth it yeah but then he goes and buys the car anyway yeah and i'm forced to sit there and figure out how to make it work and so you dealt with a lot of that when you opened a lot of that mechanic. at first and then so i'm and i got ripped off i had a guy bring a bentley in i took the entire dash apart uh seats and everything to get to this airbag control module replaced it got everything fixed and then his check he put a stop payment on check because he just no. didn't have the money to pay and so that's like a week's worth of work and i'm, I'm out three grand and when you have a business that's barely staying afloat, you're trying to pay off loans. It's like, what do I do now? But um, and it's just you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it's kind of hard as a as a sole owner operator. You've got to like do the estimates, get the work, do the marketing, order the parts, then do the work, and then make up the invoice, do the taxes, and it's a lot. But um, but the thing is, like I say, with that that spectrum I had from the Navy from from nuclear power school, from the hardships I had growing up, I learned like I can stay awake for 48 hours and work straight if I have to. This Whoa. is not something that I want to do. It's not healthy to do, but if I have to, I can. If it, if I'm extremely cold, I can say, I can turn that off. I can acknowledge that feeling and turn that off and be like, you know what? It's okay. I can get through this. If it's, if I, if I am in a lot of pain, I've been in massive amounts of pain before and every time you go through something painful i feel like you're just like more able the next time to say i acknowledge this pain and now yeah. i'm going to deal with it and continue pushing on and doing what i have to do yeah um and so that's something that i think helped me with the businesses that i knew like if i want to get somewhere then 
damn, this guy screwed me for three grand, but I got to pay bills. So we got to get out there and find the business and then make it happen. And, and then next time I'm never taking a check again. Yeah. Um, so you, know, you learn, you just keep yeah, learning. You, every failure is a, is not a failure. If you don't quit, you just, it's a learning experience. And again, I go to my meditation and I'm like, ah, I, I took a check from a guy and it <laughs> sucks and I'm sorry, what am I going to do next time? I'm not going to take a check. I'm going to make sure that they put a deposit up front, pay for parts, and then and then take the final payment before I release the car. And I'm just thankful that I'm, I didn't get hurt and that the car is fine. And Yeah. Um, what do I need? I need more money. I need to get rent. So I need business. So please send something my way and then go to meditation and seem to uh, open doors. It was insane. That's so cool. And it, it, to me, you know, it's funny, right? Like we're talking about this and like, I'm so thankful that you are at this great place just because I really like you. You're such a nice guy and it's so cool to talk to you and hang with you. And I'm so glad that somebody that dealt with something so rough got to this great spot. You know, I think that that's how many people are there out there that haven't had that chance. You know, how many people did end a life a little too soon before they found love and before they found people that cared about them. And the fact that you've brought that all to be what it is now I love that this is the success story, yet I can't help but feel that this is just the beginning, which yeah, is crazy. Right? I hope so. I hope. I mean, it seems like I'm making smarter decisions with my life now, so it seems like it's only going to go up, but you, know, you never know what could happen. Um, but that's what's wild is like with you having that tolerance, I, okay, you never know what happens. You close one shop, you open another. Like what do you like? Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I, the thing is I'm still such a, like a, I want everyone to like me still. That's oh. probably my biggest flaw though is that like, I go into situations like, what What do you want from me? Let me be that. And I'm getting better with the meditation of like, no, I am on my path and this is where I'm going and I'm happy to help you, but I, I have to continue on my path. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but I, I, I do, whenever I get to a problem, I do have this like memory of like, bro, you know what you've done so far? Like, this is nothing, dude. You can figure it out. Make it work. That's what's so inspiring. That's what's so cool. Well, that's cool. I'm glad. I hope that I really hope that it's something that can translate, especially if, if you're, if you, if you know someone that's hurting, you know, it's like depression. Even if you think you've got a great life, like, like celebrities that are just addicted to drugs and they, they're in this yes man zone. Like you think you're so irresponsible. How are you not happy? You have everything. It doesn't matter. Their perspective tells them they're in the worst place possible. Telling them, Hey, you have everything is not helping them. Right. You've got to reach out to these people and show them love. And if they break your confidence, a lot of them have been hurt so much before. They're like, this person will probably abandon me too. Let me see how little, I can give them to make them leave me. And when they leave, they say, see, you're a bad person, Micah. Oh, wow. you, you don't deserve love. And this is where it's at. So like you, you got to look at the, the harshest people and just remember, man, that must suck to be them. I, I, I want to give you love because that's really the only thing that I know to do to help you. Yeah. And the same thing, if you're, if you're a person that's listening, that hurts like that or feels alone, um, that's not okay. That's not normal. You, you need to go reach out to people that you respect. Yeah. You know, good people and say, if they're in your life already, then great. Align yourself more with them. Be with them. Come to them with your problems. I'm struggling with this. I don't, I don't even want to be happy. I don't want a solution. I'm just really pissed about this. Yeah. Cause that's what happened to me a lot. Yeah. I don't really, I'm comfortable in this feeling that it's not my fault. The world's terrible and there's nothing I can do about it. If that's what you feel. It's not going to get any better. 
Yeah. Go to someone that you can that you admire. If you if you know what you want to do, go to someone in your industry that you admire. Like if there's a shop that yeah. does tuning and you want to do that, go there as often as you can. Bring them donuts. Be super positive and and like, hey, I just I'm really interested in what you guys do. Can I can I check out your shop? No? Okay, cool. Well, have a good one. Here's this and go away. And if you find someone that's admirable enough, I think part of what made them successful is those virtues or right. are those virtues that would include giving you kindness and justice. And if you're there and you're positive and you're quiet and helpful, then yeah. they're going to help you. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're going to be doing whatever it is you want to do. Right. Like anything you want to do, you can do. That's that's really awesome. And And Wow. I'm so happy we did this episode. I had a feeling, I really had a feeling that there was something special there and all the bits that we talked about, but I mean, damn, what a story you've had, but I feel like this is pretty universal. And I would really think that anybody listening to this, regardless of the industry that you want to be involved in could really take away quite a lot, right? Like these all feel pretty, feels like universal lessons. Yeah. I mean, they weren't something that I like was taught, I'm trying to teach you. Right. These are observations just from what I've done and uh, the results that they've had. Yeah. So it's hard because like prayer is something a Christian church wants to teach you and it actually really helps a lot, but so many people are turned off by religion that it's like, I'm losing the message. Mm -hmm. Meditation is something that's very common with, you know, like this hippie culture or this like new age movement. And unfortunately, a lot of people that think it's it's not serious don't use it but it's a great tool yeah um virtues and being uh a man of character is going to give you things that a man of character gets you know right um it's also going to help you to see falsehoods you know like there are things in our society that we have as a society decided are more important than anything else like our image Mm. unfortunately what car we drive is the most important thing to a lot of people. Yeah. And it's so important that we want to have the newest, the coolest thing. And that's destroying our planet, you know? Yeah. Like our, the pollution by your car that your car makes driving right. is nothing compared to 75 million cars were produced in 2017. I, I always think about that, but I don't know the stat behind it. So hearing you say this to me right now, I'm like, oh. That could wrap around the earth eight and a half times, I believe it is, if uh, based on the average length of a car. And we do that every year. The thing is, like, in the 70s, the 80s, cars were produced until last. And if you spent, you know, with inflation, $30,000 on a car, you had a car that would still be on the road today if you took care of it and, and could last a, a forever. Yeah. But cars today, because... The manufacturer knows, hey, I'm not making money on this second sale, yeah. so let's just make them cheaper because it's cheaper for me to make them, and I'm selling them to my main customer. And right, um, why wouldn't they? Like, it's why not? Dumb to it's, make it's a, a business idea. decision. Yeah. It's not them being like, hey, I'm going to screw the planet. It's them going, what makes sense for a business? This is what the consumer wants. Our consumers buy the newest car every two, three years, or lease them. Let's just make a car that lasts that long. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, no one told the market, hey, your $70,000 doesn't give you a, a car that will, you can pass down to your kids. It gives you a car that lasts five, six years, and it's done. And the yeah. pollution that it creates, to make a Range Rover, I think it's like 38 metric tons of pollution are produced in the production of that vehicle. Right. And it burns an average of like six metric tons in emissions every year. So it would take six years of running for it to make up the amount of pollution that it took to build it. And most Range Rovers don't last that long like a modern range rover you're seeing them 
go out of service just because of how much it costs to maintain. You've yeah. got to do all the brake drums. You've got to do all these electric sensors, these plastic radiators, plastic hoses. Um, it just becomes too expensive to maintain. And so right. I watch auctions all the time. I see S-Class Mercedes that were over $100,000. They're they're eight years old and they're going for twelve grand. And it's right. like, I don't even want to buy you, bro, because you're such a headache. I'm going to get you together in an air suspension. Come on, it's going to fail. Right. And if you're doing these virtues and you're doing your research, you get this little moral voice that's going to start coming in and saying, hey, man, you, you know, you're too worried about your image here. Why don't you just stick with the car you got? It's paid off. It's maybe let's research the brands that are selling you this car this before you go and purchase something. Yeah. You know, like that's such a heavy thing to like grasp and think about. And you're saying that to me and I'm like, Oh God, we're screwed. But I think the, the two positives out of that is like, we get better. Like every, like if people are working on getting better, that's a step to the right direction. Right. Right. So if you're aware of that and you're practicing better virtues and you care less about material things, like capitalism isn't going to stop. People aren't going to stop. Like it's not the brand's fault that you want the new cool thing. You have to stop wanting it or you have to demand exactly. a better product. Exactly. So I love that. And we've talked about that a little bit. And I think the other side of that too is, okay, so on a consumer level, you can stop that by having better virtues and better values of what you care about. But then as your product, as the person that you are and what you put yeah, out, yeah. I think it's also pretty special to think about the other side of say, okay, well, this is fucked. This situation That's is fucked. Right. That's great. That's a great observation. man. How can I do something about it? And it's like, we talk about this too, is like quality, right? Like really like do it once and do it right. Take pride in your craft, take pride in what you're putting out. Because if you start putting out lasting products, if you start inspiring people to put out a lasting product, this gets better. Yeah. And, and people will want your product more. That's a, that's a sad thing. Yeah. Cummings diesel trucks, Dodge's Ram, like if you get a Dodge diesel, the value of that truck doesn't drop. At 250,000 miles, it's still worth like 15 grand, 18 grand. Because it's an actual good product. it's going to last yeah. forever and people want that and they know that brand that is brands what we're staying by same with toyota they developed that brand that brand of longevity mm-hmm. but we see so many like especially the european cars yeah uh just going whatever let's yeah. just make it to make it work for this like bmws have <laughs> lifetime transmission fluid there's no fluid on the planet <laughs> that lasts that many heat cycles that much metal in there like it says on the pan do not ever change unless there's a mechanical failure but they also come out with service updates that, hey, maybe we should change this at 39,000 miles because we're actually seeing them fail before the warranty period ends. Or the oil service life now is 10,000 miles as a standard. But if you look at the like 2014 650, the BMW 650, it, it had a oil life of 15,000 miles. Yeah. There's an active recall right now. If you take it to the dealer, they will reprogram your computer to warn you to change the oil at 10,000 miles because they realize, crap, we stretched it too thin, guys. We're losing them under warranty. We're eating oh. the bill. Let's move it to 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles is still too far. That's so heavy. Oh, I have people all the time like, oh, no, it says I can go 10,000 miles. Isn't that great? and save money. I'm like, you're saving like... 80 bucks in an oil change. But we have to demand higher quality. We have to be aware of this, right? Like that's, that's. You do your research. Yeah. Okay. So my last questions for you, and this has been such an incredible episode and that's why I'm so excited to ask this is because you have that mind that can look at puzzles and figure them out. If you were talking to any person in music, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody trying to get a start, somebody who's curious about it, uh, 
you know what? Screw it. It doesn't have to be music. Just somebody who's looking to get a start in a career that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know what they want to do. Where's a good place to start? All right. So if you don't know what you want to do, it's really hard. Uh, So again, virtues, meditation, give me a direction, show me what I enjoy doing and where I should go. That's going to help you. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to be able to, your subconscious and your mind are going to figure it out. So like the part where you say, what do I need? You would say something like, like, I don't know what I'm, what I want to do. I'm going to find a sign that leads me to the path that I'm excited about. Something like that. Exactly. Cool. Um, that would be my first advice. I mean, I think that all of the problems that we have, if you don't, if you fortify that relationship between your soul and your mind and put in the right values, you're going to be more quick to realize what you want to do. That's awesome. Um, as far as like from the music aspect, I mean, there's one thing that kind of confuses me about music though, is because like, you see a lot of amazing artists commit suicide, you know, like yeah. Chester and Chris Cornell. And, yeah. and one of the things that I think that makes really powerful, relatable music is this burning pain that's inside that you're trying to express Interesting. And so people relate to that. Yeah. And I think that's also why we have like a lot of one hit wonders. They they make a huge hit, make a lot of money, and now their struggle's gone. They've yeah. they've solved it. But the people who continuously put out great hits, they're really struggling with something that is so powerful they have to get it out and it comes on this very powerful way. Right. So um and then through all this talk of what to do for your help, I, I haven't ever said, you know, what I do with negative feel, feelings because people die. They, bad things happen. And yeah, actually, if yeah. you just put that down, you're not addressing it either. That's part of that prayer is acknowledging the negativity. Well, you have to acknowledge that negativity too and put it in its place. You know, feel it, understand why you feel it. It's okay to feel that, but then you have to go back to a place of being positive. So if you're in music and you're like, hey, you know, my sad love songs are the best music that I have. What do I, you want me to be positive all the time? No, not necessarily. Use your, go to that place, draw from it to make your music and, and perfect your craft in it. But then once you're done out of that writing space, you got to come out of it and be like, okay, I'm a positive go-getter business woman in the music industry, businessman in the music industry. Um, so don't, don't get tied down by negative negativity, but also don't like try to push it down. You need to acknowledge it. Love that. Um, Love that. That's, uh, that's really cool. And I think that is again, universally, universally applicable. Um, and then I guess, I I mean, you kind of answered it like that, that really was to me like just problem solving, right? Like any industry you're going to run into problems and maybe this is too vague of a question to ask, but because you clearly have that puzzle solving mind, you have this great training from the Navy. You've worked on so many things. Do you have any like go-to formulas for just saying, here's a problem, literally any problem? Do you have a certain way that you look at a problem to get to the solution? Mm. I mean, it's usually like uh, if you have a problem, it's it's in a system, greater system. Like, let's say it's in your life, in your relationship or something. So you've got to determine what you want to get out of that system or what it's, that system's purpose is for this case. Hmm. Uh, so what I would say is like take a step back, look at the entire system and see what is the purpose here. All right, now we're going to go into what the problem is um, and say, okay, there's obviously a malfunction in a component of this system. Um, what does each component in the system do? 
and then which one of those functions is not being provided causing the problem. You know what I'm hmm. saying? So um, I'm trying to think of a good example where like it, it's something not mechanical at all. It's hard with people in relationships because there's an emotional factor there's there emotion. that you can't really apply um, logic to. But I will say... You don't have enough money to move to the city you want to move to. Um... Okay, so you're looking at your financial system. Yeah. You've got ins and outs. You've got expenses. Mm-hmm. You've got the things that you do for pleasure, and you've got income, right? So what you've got to start doing is looking at like how, how to limit your expenses. Like If you're not cooking your own food, you should be because it's <laughs> way healthier. You'll be more, more productive, and also it's way, way cheaper. Mm-hmm. So like, kind of look at like analyze your bank uh, statement for a month to see where did I spend a majority of my money. There's apps that will help you with this. Yeah. Um, and then let's see if we can cut those down. Can I cut coffee down to a once a week thing instead of an everyday thing? Yeah. Um, and then also, where am I getting my money in at? How could I expedite that? You know, I'm driving all the way across town to a job. Really, this job is not my end goal. So who cares? Like, honestly, who gives a crap if you yeah. work at a restaurant because you're trying to get somewhere and you're driving 20 minutes away? Start applying to restaurants right by your house and quit that place. Interesting. You know, like you've got to look at like, cause you, cause that would show up on your bank statement as well. I'm spending money on gas. This is a high cost. How do I limit that? Right. Um, so you're looking at the system. You're looking, you're always like looking you, at the system. You have the bank statement, right? That's your, that's your meter for that specific problem. For that, for financial system. you're looking at what's causing, oh, that's a lot of money. So that represents a bigger problem. A bigger loss. And then how you can analyze that and what are you Make it trying? more efficient. That's cool. But if it's like relationships again, like this is hard because that's that's tough. There's I there I thought people are cause and effect. You're doing this to me yeah. because you want because of you have a motive. But the thing is, is like a lot of people don't realize what they're doing. My buddy Spencer Cannon was the first one to point it out to me because I was like frustrated over this girl that I really liked, and I was like, I can't tell if she's using me, like if she's just flirting with me to get what she wants, or if. She really genuinely likes me because I just, it's, you know, I'm, I'm overanalyzing, of course. Yeah. And he said, Michael, what you need to realize is most people, they don't consciously think I'm going to go get something from that guy. What if she thinks that guy is pretty cool? He's an awesome dude and I really like him, but I kind of, he has something that I need. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go hang out with this guy and then, oh, and wow, I'm getting what I need now. Uh, I'm getting the attention that I need or the validation that I need or he's paying for my dinners. or, um, But then after you get what you need from that person, maybe they they, they realize like, oh, you're actually not the right person for me and and I, and I don't want to be with you anymore and they break up with you or they leave you alone. And you, that, that person never thought, I need money for food tonight. I'm going to go to that guy. Right. He's going to buy me dinner and then I'm done. But at the same time, she did that. And it's because... Her entire life, if she needed something, she batted her eyes, was super sweet, held onto your arm. It made her feel a little bit better, and it made you feel amazing. So why not do this? It makes the guys feel amazing. And, oh, crap. It just didn't work out. I'm going to go away. Yeah. So so with that, logic doesn't work as much. You just got to, like I say, be focused on you, doing the best you can, and give love to everyone. But just you'll, you'll see. The, the good people will start making themselves readily available. And as you see that, and you know who you can trust and start ditching the friends that aren't that and going yeah. for those friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying like, say, hey, you're crap, get out of here. I'm just saying like, no, okay, I get that. start limiting your time with those weaker and uh, and then start, as you as you start to elevate yourself, start to give that love to those people that need it because... That's awesome. 
And that was those last two. That was kind of bonus round. That was me just being like, dude, I, I really love your line of thought. And like so selfishly being like, how can I apply this to my <laughs> things too? Because he's nice. so smart. But thank you, dude. I, I, I feel so great about that episode. And again, like it's kind of rare for me to have somebody that's outside of music. But I just I felt like there was something about you in the way that your your story and good God, did you have a story? Dude, it's a little bit intense. I'm sorry. Like I know it can be a lot to, to process at once. And but um, it's a genuine thing. I'm I'm very happy. I. I can't believe where I'm at. I'm I'm still very much. I still deal with those feelings of depression occasionally and loneliness. It's it's difficult, but at the same time, I have um, so many real genuine friends and so many people that like call me like, "Hey, I have a serious problem. I need you." And yeah. it's it's very it's very rewarding. I think if I just like I say stay on my grind, then everything will work out on. Uh, in its own time. It's cool to even hear you say that, right? Because, like, from afar, I could look at you and be like, dude, he's got it all sorted. But, like, you're still here saying, like, yes, I've gotten this much further and things are good. I still don't yeah. always have it figured out, but I know I will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, fine. yeah, it's... I definitely don't have things figured out. If anybody, <laughs> like, ever is, like, struggling with anything, especially depression, just please reach out to me through through the Hollywood Mechanic or, um, or however you, you can, if you know another way, because... Uh, I love being able to share this with people and it, and it adds value to my life just to be able to like be there and, yeah. uh, and also like, it's just a tragic thing that we only get this one life. And if you're living it the whole time, miserable and in pain, and that's just, that's the, the worst tragedy. Yeah. I love that. Like that's, that's a really beautiful way to end it, uh, or to end the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> So thank you. And thank you for being there for people. And I really hope that this story, I feel like it will uh, really inspire some people and show them that things get better. Sweet. I hope so. Thank you, dude. Thank you. For sure, brother. Thanks for having me on.